0: Welcome back to Dairy Public Radio. Reporting from the basement of the Dairy Civic Center, this is CM Alexander with the news. In travel, detours abound this week as Dairy's summer-long road repaving initiative takes off. Be sure to keep an eye out for changing routes as one wrong turn could be a grave mistake. You're listening to Dairy Public Radio. This is Dairy Public Radio. Welcome back to Dairy Public Radio, a bi-weekly Stephen King Book Club podcast. I'm one of your hosts, C.M. Alexander, alongside Joshua Khan. Hey, everybody. And Benjamin Graham.
1: Hello, constant readers.
0: And today we are covering another Patreon selection series, Dolan's Cadillac, selected by Kaya Benedict. And we have Josh leading our discussion.
2: I am so freaking happy about this story. I had never <laughs> read it. Uh, but so, but actually, just I'm gonna stop there. A- am I the only person who read this for the first time?
0: No,
1: oh, you were okay Ben uh, i've I have read this before. Uh, I knew what we were in for. and kind of piggybacking on that, I have fucking whiplash right <laughs> <laughs> Why? Because, um, I listened to the audiobook of Dolan's Cadillac, uh, which was narrated by Rob Lowe yeah, and is extremely good. And then I watched this fucking movie. <laughs> uh, you know, Ben, when we get to talking
2: about the movie, I think I'm going to say some things that might fix this a little bit for you. I, good
1: luck.
0: <laughs> no, I, I do think it's different when we watch things together for Ben specifically. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay, so yeah, we should mention I am uh, (laughs) recording from home, and I did watch this by myself, which, yeah, not as fun. Josh and Um, I had a blast. In fact, (laughs) not fucking fun at all. (laughs) A huge drag, a huge goddamn bummer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Dolan's
2: Cadillac, the reason I'm so excited is because I love revenge stories revenge stories are my shit (laughs) Uh, dolan's cadillac which was is in nightmares and dreamscapes is about uh our narrator uh who we come to find out is named robinson he has been stalking dolan who is this gangster for the past seven years because seven years ago he blew up his wife with a car bomb because she saw something she shouldn't have seen.
0: Why are you saying no that like deal. it's no big deal? No, you
2: know, <laughs> uh, you know, like I'm saying it like, you know, tale as old as
1: time. We've, <laughs> yeah. We've all been there. All been there. We <laughs> all know. I, I love the, the setup to this because he even says, like, I'm hunting this guy down because of what he did to my wife. What did he do to my wife? Don't fucking ask me.
0: Because <laughs> I'm not yeah. going to tell you.
1: And we are left. We don't find out until nearly the end of this story. And it's so cool and subtle and doesn't take 40 minutes. <laughs> well, let's let's stay
2: focused on the story for now. I'm mm, going to try. <laughs> it was so much better. One of the things that is so great about this story, in my opinion, is just knowing that it's it takes place after seven years of this stalking and... That amount of dedication
1: is so fucking scary. This guy's a real Andy Dufresne. Yes. Yeah, Yeah, one of the best parts of the story is the methodical nature of this guy getting his revenge.
2: One thing that I especially like is that we don't... I I just said we were going to move away from the movie, but I'm going to touch back on it (laughs) uh, for one sec. Because in a movie format, you have to... Something like this, you kind of have to tell the story linear what we get from this like we don't have to know why he robinson knows all this he has like the he goes over every time he travels he has uh two security guards he's got you know his car's armor plated self-sealing tires like he rattles off all of the things he's learned over the past seven years we as readers don't need to care about how he got all that information Mm -hmm. we know how he got it from all that watching and it's just so eerie at least the tone of voice that i read it in how calm i felt i was getting this information
0: that's how it was read to us really okay good
1: good eerie is a great word for what is a completely mundane non-supernatural story this is just a poe story yes yeah Mm mm-hmm this is a cask of Amontillado. I always, said it, I always pronounced it Amontillado. Um, is that wrong? Uh, honestly,
2: don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I usually bring up that story, and no one ha- uh, has ever corrected me. So
0: Well, I got a lot of thoughts about it.
2: <laughs> oh, God.
0: <laughs> it's how to kill a conversation.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Very early on, we we've been dealing with this stalking. I, w- I want to talk about the the detour scene, the very first time we deal with a detour, and he winds up getting way too close. How did you guys feel uh, when he comes right up on the Cadillac with a flat tire?
1: My first thought was how kind of funny it is, the idea of tailing someone through the fucking desert. <laughs> Just big, long, empty stretches of road. Robinson lives in Vegas and Dolan also lives in Vegas but he also has uh, stuff set up in LA so he's constantly driving back and forth in this big gray cadillac and so he tails him i just couldn't think of, he's like oh i always make sure not to get too close well that's great but you're in the middle of the desert he he says that there's like no one around you're gonna get spotted. Right,
2: you are one <laughs> of 3 cars on the road.
0: Well, he is a school teacher, not a professional investigator.
2: <laughs> that is yeah. That's very true. <laughs> he doesn't
0: know how to tail. But uh, but also
2: Which,
1: he uh, nobody pays him any attention. Yeah, that's actually a really cool part of it is that he is so mild-mannered, he he's not this hitman. He talks about how he he while he's driving, he has this daydream about, you know, buying a gun and trying to kill him and how all that would accomplish is he would maybe shoot one of his bodyguards and then die. (laughs) Right. That brings
2: me to this question. We find out that he's never even fired a handgun. He hasn't even held a a gun in general since he was like a teenager. Uh, And that comes to us after he pulls up over a rise and sees the Cadillac with a flat tire and he drives slowly past and he looks Dolan directly in the face. And Dolan has no, shows no sign of recognition because what happened to his wife means so nothing Mm -hmm. to Dolan. Why would he memorize this nobody's face for a nobody of nothing event that happened to him? Very M. Bison in the street fighter movie. (laughs) (laughs) That one of the best lines in cinema, you mean? Yeah.
1: For me, it was a, Tuesday. Or yeah. Whatever he for you, it
2: was something like for you, it was the most important day of your life. For me, it was Tuesday.
1: R.I.P. Raul Julia.
2: Yeah. So, but he mentions the gun thing. So here's my question: What was his what was his revenge plan before this this detour plan? He hasn't worked out. He, like, this, like, sparks the I'm going to get in shape and, like, when the Mm -hmm. plan finally comes together. But he's just been tailing him. I would have assumed he had some sort of revenge plan by now.
0: I don't know. I almost feel like at this point he's still fantasizing about what he might be able to do, maybe. Waiting... That's why it's taking so many years. He's waiting for something to come to him.
1: It feels realistic in that way, because I don't think he had a plan. I I mean, when something this awful happens, if it were you or me, you know, you might go the rest of your life, you know, fantasizing about this, getting revenge on this person that wronged you. But like, it's the real world. What are you going to do? I I think he's just basically a ghost at the start of the story.
0: Well, and all this work tailing him, even if he doesn't have a specific plan in mind, is kind of the only thing giving his life purpose right now. And Mm -hmm. so maybe if that moment hadn't happened and an opportunity hadn't been kind of made clearer to him, he would have just spent a lot of his life just watching this guy and having his revenge fantasy. Because if anybody ever murdered you two, that's what I would do. I'd come up with all these really awesome revenge fantasies that sound really cool in my head, but on you know in in practice they'd be really dumb.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's not gloss over this. They would be just fantasies. That, that you- CM has a plan for if we
1: both get yeah, murdered. Yeah, like and the plan is do nothing.
0: The plan is to fantasize. Think about
1: it real <laughs> hard.
0: Yeah, I'd I give you guys years of thinking about it.
1: Thank you, <laughs> I yeah, guess. Yeah, man, you're welcome. Nice. <laughs> Honestly, pretty nice.
0: <laughs> you're a good friend. Thanks.
2: <laughs> so uh, something that I really think is great is this detour. The fact that they turned down this detour without a second thought is what makes Robinson realize there are things that he can't set a trap for Dolan because he talks about that You know, he's been protecting himself for all these years. He'll smell a trap. Mm-hmm. And so the best way to trick him is to not
1: really trick him, which I thought was pretty great.
0: Makes a lot of sense to me, actually.
1: This is where the Andy Dufresne parallel really, really got me mm-hmm. because his plan is he gets a job for the like Department of Transportation working on a road crew. And just waits for years, not knowing if the right confluence of events will ever happen. Just hoping and waiting. Yeah, the when he puts
2: up his watch as collateral to force them to give him a job... <laughs> I thought that's that's real Andy Dufresne.
0: Mm-hmm. For some of the real excruciating detail about how all of this work works, I kind of checked out a little bit. <laughs> but overall the the idea of him doing this and what I found most fascinating about it actually was not even necessarily the plan of of placing himself in this position where he would have this information. And he could enact this plan and understand how the machine works and all of this other stuff, just building up that physical endurance to be able to do this because you have this one shot. And if you just physically, if your body fails you, that's it. And who would be able to persevere under those extreme conditions in the desert? Wearing protective gear, working really hard, sweating, he has to be on it. And so I really appreciated that part of the story that it's just him making this happen. Painstaking, like just as long as it takes.
2: So Ben, you you read this before. Yes. But it is after this point where he's been working on the road crew that it's revealed the plan is to dig the Cadillac a grave because you can't get him out of it so take the whole thing down so before this was revealed as the plan CM did you have any thoughts as to where this was going
0: I didn't imagine that he was going to bury an entire car because Ben said it best but I am not a car boy
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's Uh, a crazy plan it's Wiley Coyote shit. <laughs> oh, it is. And, and it
2: just gets more Wiley Coyote <laughs> as pieces of it are unveiled, and I loved that.
0: And his only, I feel like his only loose end is the guy he's talking to about the book he's writing or something. Yeah. Let's talk about the book. <laughs> ben,
2: how did you feel about that approach? His, his approach <laughs> to solving the problem by telling a mathematician friend he's writing a sci fi book. It. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay i thought it was uh very clever because it you wouldn't think about all of that what is he's describing how big he has to make this hole and everything and how to account for how the cadillac is going to enter that hole and different variables at play i was like oh shit i would have messed that up super hard
1: <laughs> yeah it, it's it makes you think that he's it shows you that he's not just like methodical He is a smart guy. He knows that there are things that he has to account for that he himself just doesn't know. And so he does his research, which is cool. (laughs) But you're right that the way he goes about it is hilarious because he literally goes to a friend who's this math uh, professor at a college. I think it's like if a if a spaceship fell in a hole (laughs) how would it do (laughs) and and his friend is just like oh yeah math nothing about this is weird
0: or suspicious nothing about (laughs) my
1: math holes book
0: nothing about it would be suspicious though because how are you going to apply that in the real (laughs) world (laughs) most people dig a six-foot grave
2: (laughs) well also the so this is a science fiction book that he's claiming that this problem's taking place. He has the exact dimensions because he has written GM to get the Cadillacs' specific measurements and like, all of those details. So I just love the idea of him pitching the sci-fi story. I'm like, all right, hear me out. So, uh, so these space guys are are driving down a road. All right, do they hovering? No, wheels. Still wheels, Mm -hmm. still on the ground. All all, all right. Is it like some sort of like flying saucer type of shape thing? Is it, you know, is it shaped like a speeder bike? Nope.
1: Like a Cadillac. (laughs) The mathematician even at the end is like, you ought to really change the dimensions of this (laughs) scouting vehicle. It's really fucking big, which is actually leads to like one of my favorite running things throughout the book is that they laugh together. That's that's it. Throughout the book, this character Robinson is teaching at the school and when he gets a job at the road crew or when he starts working out, the other teachers are kind of like laughing at him. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Oh, I laugh with them because a guy like me, if you laugh along, then everything's fine." Yeah. But when you stop laughing, then
0: yeah, people start it, to worry and get suspicious.
1: It's just a really cool, unnerving, because you know it's camouflage. Mm -hmm. And this is also where we
2: discover the phrase that in the book was amazing and in the movie sucked. The arc of descent. I (laughs) I fucking (laughs) loved that part in the story that he says the arc of descent. That was a phrase in which a man bent on revenge could fall in love.
0: Okay, the only reason it sucked in the movie is because it was about P.
2: <laughs> yes.
0: It was, a <laughs> thinly,
2: it was a very scientific look at P. <laughs> Another thing, Ben, you referenced this a little bit earlier. He's waiting for a specific few events have to take place all at the same time for this plan to go through. He has four vectors that need to come together. Travel for Dolan, vacation time for him, a national holiday and a 3-day weekend. But here's the thing, he's a teacher. Shouldn't just a vacation day for him and national holiday pretty much be the same. He he comes across this gig that the the repave that is going to be where he's going to lay his trap happens over 4th of July weekend and he sees that and he's like that's three out of four right there. But
0: the, I think the vacation isn't referring to his job as a teacher because, yeah, you pretty much have one Monday off a month. You have a three-day <laughs> weekend almost every month. It's referring to the road crew not being there for that three-day weekend because they're off as well if it's a government holiday.
1: That, that's still three things.
2: That, that's, yeah, I mean, that's still – those things are all going to they're, – they're listed as three separate things But the except for the three-day weekend thing. They'd almost assuredly fall on the at least him being off, and a national holiday would at least be on the same day.
0: You know, math. <laughs> he should just ask his math professor how many things, four things or three things are. <laughs> That's like the least. God, I can't. I don't even know what I just said.
2: <laughs> well, we have this this three day weekend because the they're, they're repaving this over the Fourth of July he has to find this final vector whether or not Dolan is traveling because it's not always certain and he does something so cool to figure out if Dolan is going to be traveling that weekend uh Ben what did you think about his plan
1: it is straight up like noir detective <laughs> work he realizes that Dolan is just as meticulous as he is and would want everything just so and so he figures If he's traveling to L.A., he would want his house set up before he gets there. So he what is it? Does he travel to L.A. to stake out the house? Yeah. Where when he sees maids show up to start preparing the house and to double check, he calls and poses as a caterer. With a very, very specific
0: story. <laughs> he is looking for a punch bowl. And he does this to see if he's going to come up on, is it a Saturday or a Sunday, to figure out which mm-hmm. day it is. And I love that he's just very calm because <laughs> when when the guy's like, oh, you know, he's, there's almost a hiccup in the plan. And this guy is going to check on something to make sure. And he's like, oh, no, it's OK. If blah, 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 then, then you know, then I don't have to worry about it because I'm going to get this punch bowl back in time to set up for Sunday. And the guy, you know, doesn't think anything of it. And he hangs up. And I would have just been sweating buckets. At that point.
1: <laughs> it's another thing that, like, I would not have thought of either. I would have, mm-hmm. like, as soon as I knew what day, I would have just hung up. <laughs> like,
0: I wouldn't have thought not suspicious to, at all.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. To cover his tracks mm-hmm. so thoroughly.
0: So and nobody st- brings that up to anyone else and it doesn't get back to Dolan because Dolan is so meticulous that something like that would stick out to him and he would again smell a trap.
2: After he gets the the schedule figured out, he buys a van, he fills it with picks, shovels, air compressors. Tools, binoculars, all, like, pretty much everything he's gonna need for this plan. But the, what caught my attention was that when he goes through the list of all the things that he's packing, he listed a roll of sand-colored canvas, plus another roll of canvas. And I could not be happier when I found out what that second roll of canvas was. And that is where it gets real Wily e. Coyote. <laughs> We will get to that canvas here shortly. Uh, CM, why don't you, uh, I want you to take us through a little bit of what he, he starts working and uh, he starts to slow his pace and starts to weaken. And then he feels something on the back of his neck.
0: This part, okay, I'm going to try not to talk about the movie too here because I like it, but his wife is here with him as a voice kind of like egging him on. And it's really cool because at first we have, she's more of this like support and, and kind of guiding him through this and being, um, you know, thoughtful and cool and calm and collected. And later when things get kind of crazy, he has, you know, his own voice telling him, this isn't going to work, It's it's the wrong car. And then she's telling him to calm the fuck down. And eventually her voice kind of changes and becomes... Uh, less supportive and more cruel and insistent. And I just think that, that that change for her is really neat, the way he perceives his dead wife being with him during this revenge plot. Oh, the-,
1: the way his madness begins to take over as he becomes more and more exhausted and how it is kind of personified in his dead wife, super fucking cool. Mm-hmm.
2: The fact that when he starts losing steam, he just repeats to himself, I loved her and she was in pieces. Yeah. Like that fucked me up in a way that I cannot explain. I just I I remember reading that line and just like clutching my invisible pearls.
0: I would if I had to do this specific plan for my husband, I'd do it. And for you guys. Thank you. Or I think about it a lot.
2: All right. All right. (laughs) That's fine. There's a lot of very King things in this story, but I just wanted to point out what might be something we don't really talk about a lot with King, but there's reference to, you know, he's made a grid of the asphalt and he's chipping it up and pulling it away, but he references that his hands, even though he's wearing work gloves, they've all blistered, and as he's working, the blisters break, and he feels the pus inside his gloves... And it made me realize how much we've dealt with pus in King. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, d-
1: dude loves bile. Uh,
0: <laughs> he really does. His blisters have blisters with blisters on them.
1: Yeah, I I love the
2: description of the wear and tear it puts on his body because it really makes you feel like every move he makes is just so much harder than the last.
0: The physicality is amazing. And it's just something that you can do so well in the book format.
1: And it's another thing where it's like this metaphor for how his hatred and his clinging to this vengeance is um, unhealthy. And it's destroying him literally in this sense where he is injuring his body because he cannot let this go.
0: It's kind of interesting phrasing it that way as this kind of destructive force, because I tend, I'm kind of with Josh, like I really love revenge plots and movies mm-hmm. and I am just so totally on board with every revenge idea that people do. I'm like, yep, I support you. You are doing the right thing. Doing God's work. <laughs> the,
2: short stories that King writes. It's crazy how much he can condense into such Mm -hmm. a small space. What I love are those moments when he's ramping something up real high and then he breaks all of the tension with a joke. Cause there's a point where Robinson is like his back goes out when he's laying in the bottom of this grave and he looking, he's looking up at the sky and he feels a moment of peace. And then suddenly he thinks for the first time, what if he flies this time? And I lost my mind.
0: (laughs) I like that he's like, well, he's flown before to Paris because he can't drive. Like, don't worry about it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's uh, when he's beginning to argue with himself. Yeah, he's just not thinking
0: uh, rationally.
1: uh, Just ratchets up the tension Mm -hmm. super, super high. All right, now let's
2: get to the morning of the trap. This is when we find out that the other tarp is literally a painting of the street he just dug up, and that made me laugh forever. He staples it to struts that span the hole, collects all the cones and the detour signs, disguises his van by taking a tire off and making it look abandoned. And then he pulls out his binoculars, and he's watching, and he's seeing cars, and like, nope, that's not it, that's not it. But then he sees... A Cadillac, but it's a green Cadillac. And the next 30 seconds are some intense decision-making time. What did you guys think of this this very brief sequence?
0: This was written exactly. It it was so perfect, because we've all been there. Not here specifically. (laughs)
1: We've all been there. But you We've all been in the desert. into my gangster
0: <laughs> but we've all had those moments where there is a goal that you have and you've been working very hard towards it and something changes or you perceive that something changes and you're faced with that panic a horrible icy anxiety feeling in the pit of your stomach that you're you're telling yourself trust your instinct just just go with it. You've got this. You can do it. And there's that little voice of doubt in the back of your head, telling you it's all going to fall apart because of this one thing that changed or you didn't think of. And I thought that it it was just really well pulled off in this mm-hmm. scene.
1: And th- this is a point where the story could have went in such a different, <laughs> yeah,
0: much <laughs> oh, darker direction.
1: Shit. That yeah,
0: it being King, I wasn't sure. I I knew that. <laughs> I knew that this. Green Cadillac was not the Cadillac, but I wasn't sure what he was going to do about it.
1: Yeah, there's a very different story that would be just as good, I think, about this man accidentally entombing some innocent people.
0: Mm -hmm. And they end up mooning him, so, you know.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I, I love when he's arguing
2: with himself. So several things in the end here are very Edgar Allan Poe. But King slips in another literary reference. Uh, he's arguing with himself, and he's going back and forth: Are they Dolan or old people? Dolan or old people? The lady, the tiger. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that was really clever. Yeah, I like that Nah. That's one of my like one of my all time favorite short stories. <laughs> so yes, it's not Dolan, but the next car is. I love and hate that he doesn't get to watch it happen.
0: the The part that was really tense for me was he He has got the detour signs set up the way they need to be. He's waiting and waiting in the van, and he's listening, and he's hearing the wind. And that's all he's hearing. He's like, no, 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 that's the sound of the car. And then he's having that argument. No, it's wind. He's not coming. He turned off. Something happened. And then the car goes by, and he knows it's him. And it happens. And rather than, you know, I would want to, like, hurry up and run over there and bury it. (laughs) But he has to stop and put the signs back so that nobody, you know, drives up into this behind them. And he has to put the tire back on the van and he's just screwing it in with his hands. And that was causing me so much anxiety because I'm like, but what if you didn't do it tight enough and your wheel falls off? And then when he gets all of that done, he comes back and he really tightens it. I'm like, oh my God, this is excruciating. All of these steps and details you know, what if they get out or something happens, and then, of course, we find out when he gets there that that's he really has the time he needs for the most mm-hmm. part.
1: There, there's one thing because he does see it very briefly. He witnesses just because he runs around and he sees it sinking into <laughs> the the road. Yeah, he says it looks like an optical illusion because he just sees it just disappear.
0: I guess, I guess I was thinking of like seeing, like following it through, like seeing it and then being able to go confirm what you think you saw. That part we didn't really get. And that was kind of cool.
2: So he, he sets everything back up and he drives back up and checks on him and he finds that the driver is was dead on impact. The guard in the passenger seat is screaming that he can see the bones in his legs. Yeah. And he hears them all clamoring, trying to get out. But the moment, the first moment when Robinson calls Dolan by name, I cannot imagine the fear that would run through my body if I was just in an accident that came out of nowhere and someone came and like, hey, I I can help you out. You doing okay, Josh? i freak the fuck
1: out.
0: I would think I was dead.
1: Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's why this confrontation is so cool. And why Dolan is so scary is that he's been in this horrible crash that is inexplicable. And immediately he makes the connection. To this guy who he saw once seven years ago. That was fucking crazy. One person that he killed seven years ago. One of, I'm sure, dozens. And he just calmly, hey, is that you, Robinson? Fucking ice in my veins.
0: It was really spectacular, too, when Robinson was like, oh, I have underestimated him. He didn't Mm. expect him to know who he was. And then he, that he has that moment of doubt again. Like, uh, are there other things I underestimated about this situation? Is this going to work?
1: Yeah. He th- imagines uh, him busting out the window and finding a man-sized gopher hole. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It also, how calm and collected Dolan is at the outset makes him breaking all the more cathartic. Yeah. Yeah. So
2: Dolan very cleverly, because the guy with broken legs is screaming, is like, hey, I look, I'm trying to talk with you. I can't hear you. Come closer. And as soon as Dolan figures out where he is, he fires off four shots through the roof of the car, barely missing Robinson. Robinson runs up to the front, sees the guy in the front, punching the windshield and sobbing, trying to get out. And then Dolan shoots him, so they can finally chat. <laughs> the fucking moment that he's like oh man you uh you just fired six shots you uh you might have wished you'd saved one more i was like oh fucking hell that was
0: cold Cold. and cool
2: fucking cold (laughs) Uh,
0: one of the best one-liners i've ever heard (laughs) so
2: fucking great and again that comes from part of this this stalking he knows dolan always has this revolver dolan always carries this and just it's cool seeing all these details really come together,
1: mm-hmm. and the the amount of giddy, maddening joy that Robinson gets while he slowly tortures Dolan <laughs> is so uh, also uh, unnerving, eerie, because he's obviously like teetering on madness just as much as Dolan is because he he's mocking him and at shoveling clods of dirt as he's uh, Dolan's trying to talk himself out of this fate.
0: Yeah. He's trying to bribe him with million dollars, $2 million, $5 million. And, and Robinson's like, well, okay, I'll, I'll listen to your proposal and then I might have a counter proposal. And his counter proposal is that he wants to hear him scream and if he can scream louder than the how much dynamite was it that eight
1: sticks of dynamite wired to the, the ignition of a whatever the car is.
0: Yeah, then he would let him out.
1: The the specificity of that one line, and that's three quarters of the way through the story, that's the first time we know what happened to his wife, mm-hmm. for sure. And it is thrown off with such casualness, it's really it impactful. Yeah. yeah,
0: and we never know what she saw that resulted in her death. Well, until you watch the yeah, movie. We- <laughs>
2: <laughs> so uh, one thing that's great is, you know, he gets the pleasure of, you know, shoveling until he goes and uh, hot wires uh, the the front loader to just really settle this. <laughs> and he covers him. But I love that occasionally he keeps coming back and calling out to Dolan to- just to make sure he's still alive. And the second to last time, he's like, "Dolan, you still down there?" And there's quiet, and then he just starts laughing and screaming inside, <laughs> and he's like, "All right, see you later." And then he lays the asphalt chunks back over, so this road uh, is
1: set. The, yeah, the laughing and screaming, the way this line is written, like I said, this is the showing that they are both they have both lost their mind at this point because. Dolan is laughing this very genuine laugh, and then screams, and then laughs some more. And Robinson thinks that the uh, the wind in the desert is an awful sound, and he says he laughed and screamed, and the wind laughed and screamed with them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fucking, <mwah>. so <laughs> so good.
2: This last bit here is my favorite though he's finished laying the final asphalt chunks back into place on the grid he made and he's like dolan's probably for sure dead at this point point. and he lays on the asphalt right above where he knows dolan is and says hey dolan i've changed my mind i decided i'm gonna let you out and then there's quiet and then he just hears the subtle sounds of dolan laughing does he I was
1: just about to say that.
0: Yeah. Does he, though? Is it really him laughing, or is he already dead, and it's Robinson just...
1: It's the telltale heart. Yeah. Because he, Robinson, as he goes about finishing his work, he keeps thinking. he, He stays the night. He has to work until the next day, and he can't sleep in the van because he's convinced that Dolan is in there. So he crawls under the van and sleeps on the road. Shit's so (laughs) fucked up. I love it. So, yeah, I I don't think, I I mean, you can't hear. He's under how much feet of dirt and concrete. Mm -hmm. No, okay,
2: let me ask you this question then. Is Robinson a fan of Edgar Allan Poe? Because this last back and forth between Robinson and Dolan is the exact lines from the cask of amontillado because dolan is begging for his life he says for the love of god for the love of god robinson and robinson says yes for the love of god and that's when he leaves and that's like the when uh montresor puts the final brick into place did i ever tell you guys i had a parrot uh, that's
0: i have to process that so, uh,
2: i i had a parrot and I named it Monty, short for Montresor, so that anytime it squawked, I could yell, For the love of
0: God, Montresor! Oh my God, Josh.
1: <laughs> that is the fucking lamest thing I've ever said. say. I love it. I
2: love that. I kid. was I was obsessed with that Allen Poe. I, love I don't Poe.
0: know. I think it's kind of more romantic. Maybe that's not quite the word, but to think of it as... This conversation, like this last bit, is happening primarily in Robinson's head.
2: I just think that'd be really funny if it is in his head because that's the source material Light. and he did that that similar, a very similar thing. He just did his horizontal instead of vertical. yeah. Uh, later he goes to the chiropractor who we've been hearing about how much pain he's in. We find out that he has slipped three discs and suffered a serious lower spinal dislocation that he has to have surgery to repair.
1: So it sounds like emergency surgery. Yeah, yeah. because the doctor literally says, "And you're going to the hospital."
0: <laughs> I love his his cover story. I was gardening. <laughs> Which so this this in my head made me think that he was like a much older man, like they were maybe in their like 50s or 60s, like kind of approaching retirement age.
1: I could easily see that, because in the book he's he's balding. Maybe not 50s, but like late 40s, definitely.
2: Yeah, I was thinking mid to late 40s. But we yeah. find out at the end that they never found Dolan, and Robinson is at peace with that and
1: with everything that he's done. Uh, and it ends with him saying that he also never heard from his wife again, and he's glad for it. Yeah, Which is... A real happy ending for yeah. a king story. All things considered, yeah. Very. So now
2: let's switch gears to the movie, just very briefly, uh, because I, it had its ups and downs for me. But there were certain things that, as soon as I saw them, I was like, "Oh, Ben hates this." I can I can tell <laughs> in my in my
1: heart of hearts. But I figured out. Was it also maybe that I kept texting you guys? holy fuck, this movie <laughs> sucks so hard. <laughs> oh my God.
2: Well, so this movie took some big swings, mm-hmm. got some big old misses, but I think it hit really solid when it hit. But one of the big Ugh. problems with it, first of all, it Christian Slater, great, but the more you see of Dolan, the less scary he is.
0: Well, in the the dialogue to isn't strong okay but i have to say that even considering that christian slater delivers all of his lines the best possible way you could deliver that dialogue the way Uh, it's yeah
1: screaming every single line
0: (laughs) even his monologues Uh, he
1: really yells those racial slurs real good he sure does that's not what i'm talking
0: about yeah no i know
1: yeah. It's like his his speech
2: about buying the where.
0: Yeah, it's it's all just so stupid. But it's Christian so Slater stupid. delivers it well. Yeah. And I appreciate it. I would
2: yeah. 100% agree. He he I was mean, all Christians in. Slater. Yeah. But I think the reason that dialogue is so
1: bad is because be- it was written by a guy that wrote five episodes of Kingdom Hospital. Oh, what? Yup. My- yep. Did not know that. That's
2: exciting news. No I think it's because they were trying to aim for that Edgar Allan Poe Mm
0: -hmm.
2: poetic speech because there are uh, there are several other Poe references in this and I think that they were aiming for that kind of quote the Raven sort of monologuing I think that was the aim and I just I feel Is like that, it just missed the mark. That
0: can he, be pulled off really well. Take, for example, the movie Brick with Joseph Gordon-Levitt.
1: Even mentioning the movie Brick in the same fucking hour <laughs> conversation as this movie makes me angry. It <laughs> makes well, me,
0: they don't pull it off like Brick. I'm just saying. I'm going to
1: email Ryan Johnson <laughs> and be like, <laughs> you need to come yell at my co host <laughs> We're doing Um. a
2: double feature, Dolan's Cadillac and Brick.
0: Oh, my God. (laughs) Come
2: stop this. You know what?
0: I liked this movie. It wasn't perfect, but I've Fuck. watched a lot of shit. This movie does not deserve as much shit as it's getting. I, it is not that I bad.
2: I would watch it this movie again before miserable. I watch the Tommyknockers.
0: This movie is better than well, yeah. the Dark than the Dark Tower movie. It is less Ooh. offensive well, oh, and egregious. No. Oh, no, that listen. hurts that I agree Stop. with that. Yeah, it is less offensive and egregious to the source no. material than the Dark Tower movie is to the Gunslinger.
1: But it's not as... The Dark Tower movie isn't as offensive to my senses and my brain. <laughs> okay, so here's here's the thing. The, uh, Josh, you said that they were tra- aiming for poetic. Here's the sense that I got from this movie. It was written by a bunch of middle school boys who just discovered Boondock Saints. It is <laughs> that level of like, I am trying so hard to be fucking deep but I'm a goddamn idiot. It is so stupid. Christian Slater has a monologue while uh, the main guy and his wife are holed up in a hotel uh, waiting to testify. He has this monologue where he's driving through the desert on the phone and it's like, I just need a where, just need a place, a time, a space in... The world. well, Just a couple numbers. What could that hurt? It means nothing. Right, and it that's that's what I mean. It's, me it's a furious. miss.
2: It's a miss, but it's a big swing. And I appreciate that. I appreciate the attempt at giving... Well, and this is also something else that I just want to talk about briefly. This movie seems to posit that Dolan is Randall Flagg. Yes. That's another thing. It's yeah. not
0: like... I don't know that it does... It should have done that or did a good job of it, but I appreciate trying to make this really take place in the Stephen King universe. Opening I with,
1: really think it was the writer had read the stand and was like, these are a few cool lines. I'll crib those. <laughs> can Because they're no, better than anything no, I can write.
2: That that cannot be flippant.
1: I, that cannot have been a whim. That had I, to have been a decision.
0: I think that's No, why it was
1: a decision. Because he can't write well, and he was like, I need to steal from a different book.
0: But I think that's also why Christian, I'm sorry, I'm trying not to scream, but I just want to get my point across. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I think sorry. that's also why Christian Slater, Slater yeah. not Christian Bale, thank you, <laughs> uh, is good for this role, not that the movie is necessarily good, although I did enjoy it, but he acts kind of like, more like Flag than, for example, Alexander Skarsgård in oh, the I stand agree. acts like flag. And so I kind of see that I, I see that direction that they were going. But what I want to talk about is a change to the movie that Josh and I kind of tossed back and forth that I think would make this really, really awesome. And I think you would be on board, Ben. Hit me. Okay. So we've talked you about got, this. You
1: got your work cut out, but uh, <laughs> I'm ready.
0: We've talked about this in the stand episodes, um, women, characters being used as vehicles to make men better you know usually it's the women who die that kind of thing I want to see not not the short story the short story stays how it is because it's awesome perfect amazing I want the movie to take even the same actress because I think she did a great job the woman playing Elizabeth instead of her running out of the hotel when she finds out she might be pregnant to get another test presumably and getting blown up I wanted her to tell her husband and make him, like, beg him to go get another test. He leaves. He blows up. Then we have Elizabeth, this pregnant woman, meticulously plotting and planning and hunting down Dolan and going through all of this. We could do the similar physicality of it. Just seeing a woman in this role doing all of this stuff that Robinson did, I think would have been really, really, really cool.
1: I I agree. Uh, That would be a good change. That that could be a very good movie, with a different writer, a different director, <laughs> and recast everyone but Christian Slater.
2: <laughs> I actually I want to go back to this uh, amazing moment where CM predicted the future. Oh my
0: god, that was so cool! Yeah,
2: go ahead and tell us about it.
0: So Josh and I are sitting there, and I think it's uh, when he's about to buy his gun. Yeah, and I I didn't care for the actor. What's his name?
2: West Bentley. West
0: Bentley's delivery, like he does a really good Ugh. job of brooding, but I didn't like his other deliveries. No. And no. he's standing he's there terrible. and I th- I thought that it was kind of hilarious and maybe it was like the like you shouldn't laugh at this moment cuz it's supposed to be serious, but I thought it was funny, which is probably one of the reasons I kind of like the movie even though it's crappy. He's like Oh, was, what about this gun? Is this a really good gun? Is this going to do it? Is this a good gun? Like just really <laughs> intense and creepy. And I was like, dang, dude, calm down. But then the lady behind the counter is like, oh, no, you want this gun. <laughs> and it, it's a beautiful moment. And I turned to Josh and I'm like, you know, it'd be really cool if Elizabeth came back sort of in the style of American werewolf in London, like throughout mm-hmm. the whole movie and kind of haunted him and was falling apart. And she does. God, yeah, and I was into that, it.
2: A moment later, when that when she showed up all burned, and I was like,
1: "Fuck yes!" yes. L- the hands down, the best moment in the movie is this shot, looking at this weird angle, looking up at fucking Robinson, and he's looking at this comically enormous gun, <laughs> <laughs> and her all like fucking scarred and burned peeks over his shoulder and says, "The, the uh, what? Whatever she uh, this is the one I'll take and he represents yeah. her. Yeah. That's so that was cool. very cool.
0: It's a good way to represent her through this movie. Uh the other part, I just want to give a shout out to it in this movie we know why she dies it's because she witnessed a human sex trafficking that dolan is involved in and it gets really freaking gross and horrible at the end like with children and everything but the the part that i thought was cool like it, it was a very tense scene for me when they're driving with the the ladies in the back and they're banging on the truck trying to to get help and they accidentally short out the um exhaust system. And we're just like, oh my God, they're going to suffocate and die. They're going to open that truck and they're all going to be dead. They're not all dead, unfortunately. So then she witnesses them getting shot and they see her and she runs off. And later her and her husband come home after talking to the police and the FBI. And in their bed is the corpse of one of these women with her finger stitched to her mouth, you know, in the shh gesture. That was and she comes back later as a ghost like elizabeth to him
2: that was when when that corpse came back later in like one of his weird fever dream flashbacks Mm -hmm. i was so
1: excited effects wise yeah super gross and
0: cool (laughs) some ideas were really cool and i i wish they would have built more on that weirdness
1: yeah I agree with that completely. If it had been more over the top and Mm -hmm. more like campy, I agree. It would have been a a thousand times better, but so much of it is just like wooden acting. And the story is just so dumb. Like they left (laughs) a corpse in their bed they're like don't tell anyone what you left a corpse in there <laughs> that, what the fuck was, are they going <laughs> to do
0: that was our comment too it's yeah. like you're leaving a lot of evidence
1: yeah <laughs> yeah and they
0: talk what about the that f- later they're like we just need some evidence well they,
1: i got they a left whole body
0: Anyway, thank you for listening to the rant. I I had to defend part of this movie because, like I said, it you know well we'll get to it. Yeah, I'm
2: I'm I'm with you on some of that. Uh, but I also I I think before we started the movie, I even told you CM I was like, this is gonna be bad, and it wasn't because I knew anything about it. It was because the story is so good, mm-hmm. and it was it kind of the same thing before uh, Pet Cemetery, which really surprised me how good the movie was, where I was thinking part of what makes this story so powerful is the internal mm-hmm. struggle and like getting that level of suffering to translate to film is so hard. So I was like going into it thinking this is not going to be great. But then, yeah, some of those big things, those big shots they took that landed, I got real hyped for mm-hmm. them. I hated every fucking second
0: of this movie. <laughs> well, well, let's read the book first. <laughs> and yeah, read yeah let's do it. <laughs>
1: uh ben do you want to go first sure uh just the short story alone it's a matter of record i fucking love a good short story and this is i forgot just how good it is amazing Poe uh homage loved it gotta say five out of five uh, blue chambray shirts it's just really entertaining
2: It's funny, we give CM so much shit for (laughs) rating everything 5 out of 5, but as I read this story, it occurred to me, I don't know that I'm ever going to be able to read a Stephen King short story and not rate it out of the park, because it's everything you love about King condensed into something. This is uh, 60 pages, 55, 60 pages, Mm -hmm. and it just engrosses you there's a whole world in here and i absolutely loved it and i love a good revenge story five out of five blue chambray shirts
0: yeah you guys are right stephen king has this ability to in a very short amount of time draw you into this very rich and detailed world with these characters that in a very short amount of time we care about and are invested in so i'm also going to give this five out of five blue chambray shirts
1: this might be my new least favorite fucking movie (laughs) wow i I, honest to God, I'm trying to think of movies I hated as much as this. And there's just, I'm sure there are some, but none are coming to mind. Within three minutes of starting this movie, I was like, I'm in physical pain (laughs) watching this goddamn piece of shit. hated every second. I refuse. Zero out of five blue chambray shirts. This may be unprecedented. (laughs) It does not deserve a single shirt.
2: Man, Ben, you better be careful because that means if there, you find something eventually that's worse than this, you've really <laughs> dug yourself in a Cadillac sized hole. Oh,
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> man, I, yeah, it wasn't good. I, uh, my thoughts on the movie, it, it wasn't great. Uh, I did, I honestly had fun watching it and I, I enjoyed the, the Edgar Allan Poe references. I love what it tried to do things didn't work for me but more often than not i enjoyed the things that it did right and that kind of outweighed some of the things that i was eye-rolly through the entire time so i'm actually going to give the movie 4 out of 5 blue chambray shirts
1: that's fucking
2: insane <laughs> i had a really good time watching it you should have watched it you with us are man a
1: goddamn mad <laughs> man. you should have watched it with us it was way more fun with people i'm sure that's true it might have gotten a
0: one. It might <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it would have gotten a one, possibly a two from you, Ben. I definitely sympathize, Ben, with what you're saying. I have been there. I have watched a movie that has offended me and made me <laughs> fucking angry. And Devin has watched me just blow up and explode the entire time we're watching this. And it feels like a waste of time. So my bar for that might be a little different (laughs) because I watch so much horror in so many movies and horror is really where you get to explore all kinds of good and bad and weird things. And what this movie does for me that I generally tend to appreciate about movies, even if they kind of miss the mark or they aren't particularly great, is that it, it invested me by making me appreciate the moments that hit and see what they were trying to do and want more of that, and and think about what happened that, that they missed, and what could this have been, and there is a certain level of enjoyment that I personally can just find in that process, if a movie kind of intrigues me that way. So I am going to give the movie, um, because it's not the best, and there are really great Stephen King adaptations, I'm going to give it three out of five blue chambray shirts. Uh, I think wow. this is the first,
1: is this the first the time I've you've been... Ever given.
0: No. <laughs> uh, the lowest. No, I
1: think she, you give apt pupil like a one.
0: Oh. I don't think I've yeah. ever given lower than you guys though.
1: That's true. But That's it's, very true. I
0: I pre- three for me is just kind of like yeah. Like I would I watch it again eh, if if it happened to come up. Sure, uh, it's not one of my favorites though. But I can appreciate some things about it.
1: That's reasonable.
0: That is it for this episode of Dairy Public Radio. As always, thank you for listening. Join us next time where we will be covering Mr. Mercedes through Under Debbie's Blue Umbrella. For Joshua Kahn and Benjamin Graham, I'm CM Alexander reminding you, I'm sure he could have found an out, given world enough in time, but I was here now and I would give him neither. (laughs) Hey everyone, CM Alexander here. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dolan's Cadillac. We hope you enjoyed it. There are a lot of other references and Easter eggs in this movie that we did not discuss, and I'm curious if any of you out there have watched this and noticed them. I'll give you some hints. The name of the truck carrying the woman, the name of the hotel, and the graffiti on the bathroom wall, just to point out a few. Let us know on our social media at Dairy Public Radio or send us an email at dairypublicradio at gmail.com. Thank you again to our very awesome Patreon member, Kaya Benedict, for choosing Dolan's Cadillac and giving us the opportunity to read this amazing short story. That's all for now, listeners. Goodbye.